0: Would you please open up your Bibles with me? And if you did not bring a Bible, the scripture will be on the screen and it's the scripture that we read earlier on. But I would like to read it again for us and that's found in Philippians chapter three, verses seven to 14. The author of this book is Paul and he wrote a number of books or as we call it letters in the New Testament And he writes to the church at Philippi, which he started with one of his friends, and one of his friends' names is Timothy, and they gathered together, very, very beginning of of the start of this church, at a river where a number of women gathered, and they experienced Jesus, and something changed within their lives, and they changed the course, direction of their lives in a drastic manner, and this church was formed, and through this church, the gospel, the story of Jesus was told um, worldwide, and so this is a very special um, group of people that Paul is writing to. He's writing from Rome, where he is in prison, chained to a prison guard, a different one every single day, and um, he didn't get overcome by circumstances, but he took this challenge and he turned it into an opportunity to tell these prison guards and the prisoners um, about this wonderful story about Jesus that we still live for today. And, um, and so he writes to the church here and he writes to encourage them He hadn't seen them for a while and certain things were happening in the church And he wanted to help them to set their course. Once again, some of the people in the church had lost their direction. They had changed directions. Um, And he was writing to them to say, a course correction is needed within your life. Course correction is needed within you. As a church, a course correction is required of you as a congregation. And um, so he writes to them out of his own personal experience. And my friends, whenever we encourage people to make a change within their lives, it's always important for us to share some of our own experiences about change. And Paul uses a very strong course correction that he had experienced within his life. And he says, this is what's happened to me. This is what's happening to me. And I'm encouraging you today to follow my example because God wants to change the direction of your life. And we pick up the story here in chapter three, verses seven to 14. And this is what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Just look at the emphases of Christ here, of Jesus. I told you as a church, we, uh, we love to worship Jesus. He's the central block within our faith. Then he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know him and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have done, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God had called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a brilliant passage of scripture. When I mentioned the word Ash Barty, um, I wonder whether some of you would recognize the name Ash Barty. If not, then you're not a tennis enthusiast like I am. But Ash Barty is the number one female tennis player in the world, she's Australian. She's 25 years old and she's won three Grand Slams and she's held the number one position in the world rankings um, for the fourth longest period in history. She just won the Australian Open. She's a young lady that conducts herself in such a great way. She's a fantastic winner, but she's already inspired a generation of tennis players to also change their course on how they behave off the tennis court and on the tennis court. A real model, and I was watching the finals that she played, and I just said, I hope that this young lady would be playing tennis for many, many more years because the game needs role models like her. And my words and my thoughts were still fresh when I read that she had announced her retirement from tennis at just the age of 25. I was probably more disappointed um, than Roger Federer not being able to play anymore because she is just such a delightful lady. And um, the reason was this. She said, I have played sport on a high level, I um, played cricket at a high level, for some of you who know the game cricket, and she says, now I've come back and I've played tennis at a high level, and she says, um, it's time for me to retire now, and she says, I need to set a new course for my life. So she started to look at a course direction, some would call it a mid-course correction within their lives. It was also very interesting that a man that I think is a phenomenal tennis player again, his name is Andy Murray, and um, he's an exceptional player that's been plagued with injury. He had won Womoden a number of times, a couple of other grand slams, and... Um, he's a British player and he's about 32 years old and he, he, because of injury he couldn't play for about two, three years. He was the great British hope of winning Wimbledon after so many years. Fred Perry was the guy before him. And um, so he's just come back over the last year and a half, tried hard but he's just not getting there and so he's hired He's old coach, a very familiar tennis player of old, Yvonne Lendl. Anybody know the name Yvonne Lendl? Okay, there's more oldies here than youngies. He's raising their hands, so we know Yvonne Lendl. And he's got an Yvonne Lendl back. And this is what Andy Murray says. Andy Murray, um, this is what the writer says about Andy Murray. He says, Andy Murray has revealed he has felt off in practice for some time and that's an understatement and that his reunion with Yvonne Lendl will offer a course correction within his tennis experience. My friends, for Paul the Apostle, he was a man who was birthed under privileged circumstances. He, as the scripture says in the preceding verses, that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Um, He was so well known within the Hebrew world. Um, He had every opportunity that could be afforded to a person. He went to the best schools. He studied amongst the brightest people. He was so smart. Um, because of his status, he was put into privileged positions to reach the highest within his profession. So just from a positional point of view, his parents put him on a plane where he could run hard and run fast. Then he took this privileged position and he said, as far as a um, man who believed as a Hebrew boy, a Pharisee, he said, I studied the law. He says, I didn't only study the law, but I practiced the law. He says, as far as I'm concerned, I fulfilled the law perfectly. He said, I've attained the highest within this area. And then he says, even for passion, he says, to defend my God, the Hebrew God, I started to persecute Christians. And he said, as for zeal, He says, there is no one who's got more zeal than me. And he said, man, when I run, I run fast. And he was just one of those guys that was intentional in everything that he did. He did it 100%. He was passionate. But my friends, Paul recognized at a certain stage within his life where he was persecuting the Christians because the Christian faith came about As Jesus died for mankind upon the cross, and he fulfilled all of the law so that you and I don't have to fulfill the law because we can't actually fulfill it 100%. And Jesus did all of that. And for the Jewish Pharisees, they hated that because they felt good about themselves when they could say, I'm a Pharisee, or I'm a Hebrew Jew, or man. I have done so well. It was like, man, you know, look at me. And it was, their works produced pride for them. It produced confidence to them. It gave gave them a status. And suddenly one day, Paul was on his way to Damascus. His name was Saul at that time. And he encountered the living Lord Jesus, who was resurrected from the dead after he was crucified. And... He was on his horse, and as he was going towards Damascus, he experienced the Lord Jesus. And the power of God was so strong, he was knocked off of his horse, he became blind, and God spoke to him, and says, you will be a chosen instrument of mine. And so Paul is telling the church here of this experience that he had. He had a course correction within his life. It was a radical course correction. And he experienced an event that changed his life from this arrogant Jewish Pharisee who had it all and he put all of his status in what was achieved for him and what he had achieved. He says, I counted all of those things rubbish, garbage, so that I may gain Christ. And my friends, this past week I was praying about us here. And I really felt God say to me through this passage of scripture that He wants to do a cause correction within some of our lives. Ash Body had a cause correction. Andy Murray is correcting certain things within his life. My friends, the most important cause correction that can take place within our lives is when there is a spiritual awakening within our lives that is through Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God who loved mankind so much that he came to us not expecting us to go to him. You see, under the Hebrew law, people were supposed to go look for God. After the resurrection of Jesus, when Christianity came into play, it's no longer us looking for God, but it's God looking (coughs) for us and coming towards us. That's the story of grace. That's the message of mercy. That's the extent of God's love that he would leave his privileged position and come to this earth where he was treated terrible but for your sake and for my sake so that we can have a course correction within our lives. Going this way but now God when we experience him go that way. You see my friends, I cannot force a correction on your life. Jesus has to change your heart and he does that so well, believe me experienced it, and the majority of the people here have experienced it. He is interested to really, really change our lives. Have you ever gone in one direction and you find out that you are lost? Well, that happened to me yesterday. I was playing tennis with a friend of mine, with Christo, and I was on my way to Aguirre, and of course there's massive changes within the roads there. And we had done it a few weeks ago, but I didn't take notice, Jen and I went. And I went by myself, and I thought I was going to be clever to go via uh, uh, Etelibach that way and take that road there. And when I got there, of course, it was closed. It was a one-way road coming back. And so I got onto the phone, and I said, Christo, because I don't like to be late for anything, Christo would have thought if I was late for the tennis match that I was scared of him. (laughs) And so... um, You know, I phoned him, I said, how do we get there? And he said, well, you've got to go back through the town. It was a course direction that was necessary for me to get where I needed to go. My friends, God has a destination for each and every one of our lives. That destination is a destination where we will live forever and forever and forever within the eternity that he has created. For mankind, but the course correction that is required of every single person, it doesn't matter which country you come from, it doesn't matter which family you were born into, it doesn't matter how much zeal you have to do good, that doesn't get you to that destination. What gets you to that destination is like Paul when you encounter the living Christ Jesus who made it possible for us to end up at that destination that is created for you and I. And that destination is a door that He opens up. You can't open up that door by yourself. You can't be good enough to get there. You can't do enough works. It is only as you have, I wanna say a collision with Jesus. It's when you have that moment where you collide with him and when he collides with you. It's that moment when you bump into him. That's a phrase we use here. We would say that we just love for people when they come and join us to bump into Jesus. When that happens, my friends, when you bump into Jesus, there's a course correction within your life that ensures eternity with him and with everybody else who have had this revelation of Jesus' love, Jesus' mercy, and Jesus' goodness. My friends, it is so cool this, because religion tells us we've gotta do this, we've gotta act like this, we've gotta be like this. Religion tells us, hey, if you go to the right church, then you'll be fine, your eternity is sealed. Religion will tell us that if you give so much money to the poor, Then, you know, you will secure your place in eternity. My friends, that's just not true. The Bible tells us that when we encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ, that's when he changes our lives. See, this is what happens. Our sins are forgiven. Our pride is dealt with because that's the biggest thing that stands between us and God. And for Paul that was a massive thing because he was proudful of what he had accomplished. He was proudful of of the family that he uh, was born into. He was proudful of the nation that he represented. He was proudful of how smart he was. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was the best of the Hebrews. But when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said all of those things When you stand before me means absolutely nothing. When you stand before the holiness of God, our sin is exposed to him. And the only way that your sin can be dealt with when you stand in the holiness of God is when you encounter the Lord Jesus. It is like the Lord Jesus steps in between our sinfulness and God's holiness. And the Bible uses a Bible term, he atones for our sins, when he steps in between our sinfulness and his holiness. And when that happens, there is a course correction within our lives that transforms us. And My friends, it's nothing that you do, it is where you look. It's when you look to Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying here. Paul experienced a course correction on the road to Damascus through a God-ordained crisis within his life. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Isn't that Beautiful. He says there's no longer any pride. I consider all of those works of mine. All of the good things that I've relied on, i put it away. Because now I have found something better. I have found Christ. And he qualifies me for all eternity. To be with him. Paul also says secondly. He experienced a course correction through an intentional decision, through a revelation that he received. You see, my friends, I had a course correction very early within my life where I met Jesus. And that secured my eternity with him. But in my Christian experience, I've had several other course corrections where Jesus reveals something about him to me or something about myself, and I experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And where I may have just gotten too confident within myself as a Christian, have you done that? You just become too self-assured as a Christian. And something happens, and he just nudges us. Off of the course, there's a little course correction that happens. And as that happens, <laughs> he points the way again. Although it, it, it we'll end up in heaven, but the problem is we'll go through many unnecessary bumps. <laughs> he nudges us in the right direction again as Christians. That's the second course correction that is repeated time and time and time again within our lives. Jenny and I, we were so privileged eight years ago to experience a course correction within our journey. We had pastored a church in a beautiful place called Durban, um, north, close to Amschlonga in South Africa. It was the signature church that um, I had desired to pastor for many years, and so I we passed at that church. Uh, in, in Swiss terms, it was my Liefland's church. But God knew for us to stay there for much longer wouldn't be the best thing for us. And maybe for the church. After 16 years of leading that church, God more than nudged us to correct our course. And we came to Switzerland. And, and um, this course correction has been A tough course correction because I've had to learn German. Had to pass my German B1. And so many other things. And so in this course correction that took place, God is preparing me better for eternity. It doesn't qualify me for eternity, but it prepares me for eternity. Because I know I'm going to spend eternity with God, but He's changing me. He says, you know, that, that some of us in eternity will rule over nations. So He's busy preparing us for all of these things. That, Christians, requires a cause correction as well. Now, sometimes that happens through a revelation that we receive, or sometimes it happens through unfortunate circumstances that we encounter, like suffering. Can't run away from it, we've gotta embrace it, we've gotta push through it. But Jesus is right there in the midst of us. And he requires today a course correction within some of your life. For some of you, it is a radical one where you've never experienced Jesus. He knows your name today. He's brought you through this place because He loves you and He wants you and Him just to bump into each other. And in that experience, God will forgive your sins. God will forgive your arrogance where you think you can do things by yourself. He forgives that. And because he died for your arrogance, for your sins, 2,000 years ago, all that you need to do is to look at him and say, God, thank you for revealing Jesus to me today. And the moment you look at him, the Bible says, that he forgives our sins. You know, I can't give you a formula and I don't wanna give you a formula because it's not a formula, it's a person that you encounter, it's not a way, it's a person. He deals with all of us differently but you have gotta look to him and when you look to him, he will deal with your arrogance, he will deal with your independence, your self-dependence, he will deal with your sins right there and then because he paid that price already and when that happens, there's a major course corrections within your life which assures eternity. Isn't that magnificent? And then, Christians, there are some of you today, I really felt as I was praying this week, that God was saying that some of you need a course correction, and He's nudging you. He's bumping you. And there is a correction that's taking place. I'd rather God corrects me than anybody else, amen? He's gracious and he's so kind, he's so loving. And he's purposeful and he does it with such intent. But he's wanting to do that within our lives. And I'm gonna ask you to stand as I pray for us. Now can the worship team come forward please? The, The band? Under point number two, there's a wonderful scripture in Philippians chapter three, verse twelve. It's Philippians chapter three verse twelve, which says, Not that I have already obtained all this. Paul is saying, like you, I I haven't got it all together. That's what he's saying. I haven't got it all together. He says, Or that I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The emphasis here is Christ Jesus. Why don't you look to him today? And he'll make this difference within your life.